1: I'm in raven heaven. Oh, he just flew away. I'm in Sitka in Alaska, and I've never seen so many ravens in my life. It's amazing. Every time I hear the croak of a raven, it stops me in my tracks. I've started to record them on my phone. When I was in Alaska last year, I walked into this dark forest on the edge of town. Had a creek running through it. It was salmon spawning, and the forest was full of ravens. It's about... 30 ravens flying over my head right now this has got to be the raven capital of the world I love the sounds they make it always seems like they have something to say like they're talking to each other and that sound of their giant wings cutting through the air as they fly they're impressive a wingspan of around 4 feet sometimes more they can live over 20 years in the wild and they've adapted to life all across the northern hemisphere For Native American people, the big black bird was the creator of the world. It's different in Sweden. There, folklore says ravens are the ghosts of murdered people who died without Christian burials. But my favorite is Odin, the Norse god. He had two ravens, and every day they flew the earth and came back to him, delivering news. They were his eyes, mind, and memory. We've revered admired and feared ravens for a long time because of their intelligence. Today, scientists are learning that ravens and other members of the crow family have some very advanced cognitive abilities.
0: There's one thing I've learned about these birds, it is to stop being surprised by them, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> because you could just—I nev- mean, it, it's just endless. So at this point, I'm just kind of an open door, and if someone's like, "Hey, did you know ravens are better at calculus than you?" I'd probably be like, "Okay, sure." Because it's just an endless parade of really fascinating behaviors.
1: Their bird brain is something quite remarkable. It's capable of love, deceit and even planning for the future. Stuff that rivals the great apes. So today, we're gonna look at exactly what's going on between the ears of a raven and how this highly evolved brain helps them thrive. From KUOW in Seattle, I'm Chris Morgan. Welcome to the wild. Growing up in England, I was used to seeing ravens in the Lake District and up in Scotland. But I didn't give them much thought until I was in my mid-twenties, working on a grizzly bear research project in the Canadian Rockies. And here they took on a whole new meaning, because whenever you hear a raven in grizzly country, it could mean a grizzly is around because the ravens eat grizzly bear kills, and they usually get pretty noisy about it. And my job at the time was to look for grizzly bear kills to find out what they'd been eating. So the ravens became my allies in that search. But also made the hairs stand up on the back of my neck, because the ravens were telling me there might be a grizzly bear around. To this day, when I hear them, I have the same feelings. I love these birds. There's something mysterious about them for sure, but it's also that intelligence. I think it's all part of the allure for the scientists who study them. Why are you excited about uh, ravens?
0: Why am I excited about ravens? So do you want the the long version or the short version?
1: (laughs) This is Dr. Kaylee Swift. She's a raven and crow expert from the University of Washington, and she knows these birds well.
0: What we know about these animals is that they are um, remarkably intelligent, and they have achieved that that intelligence with a brain that is both strikingly similar and strikingly unique from mammalian brains. And so it's a really interesting opportunity to kind of ask these questions about how does this level of intelligence emerge in these very different organisms, those organisms being mammals and birds.
1: But what is it about the raven's brain that that, that makes it particularly capable?
0: So the main reason is it seems that they have dedicated a much uh, higher proportion of their brain to an area called the NCL, which is essentially the analog to the human prefrontal cortex. It's the area that is, as far as we understand it, in control of things like executive function and decision-making and all of the stuff that sort of separates our basal reptilian behaviors from the really fascinating intelligent stuff that um, I think we identify with as humans and are, are very drawn to seeking in other animals.
1: A raven's use of this well-developed part of the brain is what makes them so extra clever, tuned in. So what kinds of things does that make a raven able to do?
0: We've been able to find evidence for empathy, for example. Now, I want to be careful when I say that, because when I say we found evidence for empathy, that doesn't mean that we have license to say ravens possess empathy. It does give us license to say that they, they seem to have the hallmarks for what would give them empathy. Which right. <laughs> is that kind different, of like science yes. hair splitting that is very <laughs> annoying, um, but but is true.
1: And if they do have something akin to empathy, then it makes them unusually intelligent for a wild animal.
0: So what we have been able to identify that these birds seem to possess is something called emotion contagion. Hmm. where they seem to observe the emotions of other individuals around them and they take on that emotion. And the way that this was demonstrated was in a really nifty little study where they basically um, they, they would set up an observer and a demonstrator paradigm.
1: An observer-demonstrator paradigm is a type of animal behavior experiment where researchers watch two animals interacting, in this case, ravens. The demonstrator raven is doing something, while the other raven, the observer, is watching. It gives the researcher a chance to see if one raven is learning from the other.
0: And they would give the demonstrator a box. And in half the trials, there was something really cool in the box. And so when the ravens peered in it, they were like, their body language indicated to the observer, like, "Woo, there's like a great treat in here, whatever (laughs) it was. Versus in the other half of trials... Uh, the demonstrator looked in the box and was like, Ugh, I'm not excited about this, and their body language reflected that. And then the next step was to then give the observer a box and see what they did.
1: So now it's the observer raven's turn to look into the box, to react. The researchers saw something really interesting.
0: And they found that in trials where the observer had seen a demonstrator react ex- excitedly, that those birds were really interested in looking in those boxes they were all about it hmm. and the birds in the latter group that saw somebody like not be so excited about it they didn't really want to look at
1: wow those interesting <laughs> in other words an excited raven makes raven onlookers excited and a disinterested raven makes onlookers well disinterested
0: that kind of study gives pretty good evidence that they are paying attention to the, the emotions and the reactions of other animals around them and sort of taking those on when they're then put in similar situations. And that really is the foundation of empathy, right? It's our ability to go, my friend looks sad and that, that makes me sad or that makes me happier or whatever it is.
1: These empathy traits are a good gauge of intelligence. They're even known to comfort each other when one raven consoles another that's been in a fight or some stressful situation. But science didn't always view these birds as intelligent at all. In fact, early researchers thought the ravens and all birds were just the opposite.
0: We as Western scientists approached the natural world in this very anthropocentric way, right? Where where humans were the, the top tier of evolution. And because birds are evolutionarily very distinct from mammals, we figured, well, they they can't be like us, right? They can't be as smart as us. That would be hugely insulting.
1: (laughs) When it comes to evolution, ravens have been separate from primates for at least 252 million years. They look nothing like us or other primates, very little in common. But interestingly, they have similar intellectual abilities. Like their intelligence has evolved alongside primates, including humans, in a kind of a parallel bird world. Take their brain; the actual physical structure of a raven's brain is quite different from our mammal brain.
0: So, for example, um, I think when most listeners, you know, if I if I ask them to close their eyes and picture a brain, they picture this very squishy, wrinkly uh, organ, right? Bird brains are actually entirely flat, they're smooth, they don't have those kinds of ridges.
1: Scientists misunderstood that difference. They assumed that a bird's flat brain surface meant lack of intelligence.
0: And so it was kind of that combo of just honestly uh, hubris and then a lack of imagination for the fact that um, nature can put things together in a wide variety of ways, sometimes to the same um, outcome.
1: These brains were built differently, evolved differently.
0: Their brains are also, um, they're not layered the way mammalian brains are. And early scientists, they looked at uh, an amphibian's brain and a reptile's brain and kind of on up to these mammalian brains and they saw this addition of layers. And they thought, okay, well, that, that must be what gives humans and primates our unique intelligence, is we have these layered brains, right?
1: And they're big. A raven's brain, on the other hand, is literally the size of a walnut. But the ratio between the size of a raven's brain and its body is one of the largest of any bird in the world. This brain-to-body mass ratio is what makes them so smart, even without all the layers in the brain.
0: You can kind of think of it a little bit. The analogy I, I really have appreciated is like a Mac and a PC, right? Those are very different computers. They can do they can execute a lot of the same stuff, but the way they do it is a is, you know, pretty different in some important
1: ways. They're clearly such such smart birds. does the Does the phrase "bird brain" upset you? It
0: doesn't, uh, and not because it's not inaccurate, which uh, for these particular birds it absolutely is, um, but because it does provide me—and this is why I'm so um, popular at cocktail parties—it <laughs> uh, does provide me that moment that we we all crave to go. Well, actually, <laughs> right. let me tell you, <laughs> right. and I live for that moment. It's so an open <laughs> it's door. It's great.
1: So, being a bird brain is a compliment if you're talking about ravens. Their intelligence and ability to empathize, read emotions, helps them survive. But it's their ability to manipulate others and even plan for the future that allows them to really thrive in the wild. More on that after the break.
0: At SoundSide, we bring you news and conversation rooted in the Pacific Northwest. Hi, I'm Libby Denkman. I think of my job hosting SoundSide as, number one, asking tough questions of powerful people, the questions you KUOW listeners want answered, and two, bringing you a daily slice of the fascinating, confounding, and often goofy side of life in Washington State. Join me for SoundSide at noon and 8 p.m. on KUOW or anytime on the SoundSide podcast.
1: Hi, 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 hi. No, you've not tuned in to a different story. That's a raven talking. Wow. Wow. When I first heard this, it blew me away. Right away it makes you think parrot, of course, but the raven might be offended by that suggestion. Oh. This raven is being cared for in captivity in England where he's learned to mimic human speech. Wild ravens can mimic dogs barking, squeaky gaits, wolf howls, even flushing toilets. They are lifelong learners when it comes to communication. They have dozens of vocalisations, from deep gurgling croaks to colourful pops and shrill alarm calls. And they use them to communicate any number of things with ravens in their social group, from danger to opportunity. There's a lot to talk about. And that's because ravens are processing a lot. If
2: you would build a brain, you should build it like a bird brain.
1: Dr. Matthias Osvat is a professor of cognitive zoology at Lund University in Sweden.
2: Because they pack so many neurons into a much smaller space. That's why a small bird brain can be so smart.
1: In fact, they have twice as many neurons as we do. And it means that they're able to have the primate intelligence with a fraction of the brain size.
2: And they also put most of their neurons in the brain in what corresponds to our associative areas. I mean, the
1: juicy parts that makes cognition cool. But Matthias wasn't always so hip on the cognitive abilities of ravens. He got his start in cognitive research with slightly bigger animals.
2: Actually, when I started my research, I was focusing on cognitive evolution in humans as a PhD student. And then when you study cognitive evolution in humans, you must study great apes.
1: Matthias was looking to see if apes could plan for the future, predicting a future event. 10 or 15 years ago, it was thought that only humans had this ability, so it was a big deal when scientists showed that apes can in fact plan for the future. Then, one of Matthias' colleagues pointed out that there was more and more evidence of the intelligence of corvids, members of the crow family, like ravens. So Matthias brought some ravens out to his farm in Sweden to see just what they were capable of, to see if they could plan for the future too.
2: We wanted to replicate all planning studies that has ever been done on apes.
1: Their experiments started with a box, an apparatus, Matthias calls it. The box has a plastic tube coming out the top, and when a raven drops a rock down the tube, it opens a door on the side of the box which releases the tasty food reward for the raven.
2: We showed them once how to drop the stone, and they all got it, immediately
1: the ravens were using the rock as a tool. That was the easy bit. So next, to see if the ravens could plan for the future, Matthias took the box away and instead presented the ravens with a tray full of tempting options.
2: Like distracting items, toys that they have used before, which they like, which we know they select when there is nothing else,
1: and the tool. The tool being the rock that they used to get the reward out of the box.
2: What do they select? Well, they select the tool most often, and then they keep it. They sometimes cache it, carry it around, and then the apparatus gets installed in a different area, and they can see it then. If they have kept the tool, they
1: can use it. The ravens chose the tool, not the other fun temptations on the tray, just in case they needed it later. Then... Fifteen minutes later, the researchers put the box, the apparatus, back in with the bird, and sure enough, the raven used the rock he'd kept, dropped it into the tube, and got the nice food reward. But then Matthias wanted to test something else. He wanted to see if the ravens could show even more self-control. So he presented them with the same tray of options as before, with the toys and the stone. But this time, he included a small food treat among the options, a food treat that was smaller than the reward treat in the box that the ravens had experienced.
2: And it's a forced choice. What do you take? And very few animals are particularly good at this. Even a lot of humans are not so good with this. But they were really good. They were uh, at level or better than apes in selecting the future-oriented tool. So saying no to the immediate reward.
1: The raven ignored all those temptations on the tray, the toys, even the food treat, and chose the rock. These might seem like simple experiments, but Something very important is happening here. It shows what cognitive biologists refer to as complex skill. When several different cognitive abilities interact with each other to produce a result or an action, the ability to future plan like the raven with the rock is a complex skill. So, for example, you have to understand means, or you you need some
2: kind of means and reasoning. This tool goes to that apparatus. You need to have self-control. You need to have a certain type of long-term memory. And all these have to work together to make this happen. So probably a lot of animals have many of these parts, but connecting them might be more difficult.
1: This ability brought ravens into a very elite group of intelligent creatures alongside humans and apes. In the wild, it's foresight and planning like this that can increase your odds of survival, especially if it's coupled with an ability to manipulate others.
0: One of the studies that really brought that to light for me is in looking at how truly uh political you know house of cards level um schemey these birds are
1: ravens live in very hierarchical societies and like in all hierarchical groups those at the top want to stay at the top and they want to keep those on the bottom on the bottom
0: and the way that ravens do that is dominant pairs will very carefully watch individuals around them and if they've identified two individuals as potentially being competitors and they see those two individuals coming together to interact and potentially bond with one another, they will physically, that dominant pair will physically get in there and disrupt that bridge building mm. because they don't want that, that, um, coalition to be a future, uh, you know, source of competition to them. Mm. And that's just, like, a level of, like, sneaky politics. <laughs> yes,
1: talk about cocktail parties, right, you know? And yeah. <laughs> playing either Cupid or the anti-Cupid, right? <laughs>
0: that's... Exactly.
1: Bird politics. With calculated planning like that, it does seem as if ravens enjoy a human-like range of emotions and experiences that can get you ahead in the world. But what's curious, though, paradoxical, is that ravens, these super smart birds are shy of anything new, often to the point of being afraid of it. There's a name for it, neophobic. Place a strange new object in front of a raven and you'll get a surprising reaction.
0: Whoa, what is that? I don't want to go near that. Why are you trying to kill me? (laughs) (laughs) And you're at first you're like, well what? Like how can somebody be successful, particularly, you know, ravens and crows that live in urban environments which are constantly changing, right? Constantly uh, experiencing new objects on the landscape or, or whatever it is, like how can those possibly go hand in hand?
1: How can smart birds living life in the wild where things are always changing, be afraid of new stuff and still do so well?
0: And it seems the answer is when you are an intelligent social species there's no reason to be necessarily the risk taker because somebody eventually is going to come along that's already tested out that food source. And you can just wait and watch them rather than taking the risk yourself. And then you can find out if it's safe or not and enjoy it. So that's kind of the other way that their sociality um, allows them to access food in a lower risk kind of way.
1: Amazing. Let someone else screw up and learn from their mistakes.
0: Exactly. They Mm. are really adept at uh, learning from the (laughs) mistakes of their peers.
1: These remarkable birds have fascinated humans since ancient times. There are so many layers to their intelligence. But for Kaylee Swift, it's more than that. More than an intelligence that can be measured by science. (sighs)
0: And for me, I think part of that appreciation comes from the fact that when I study these birds, I know that they're studying me back. And that's an incredibly special feeling. It's really unique in the natural world to feel very acutely watched by another kind of organism and, and paid attention to. And I think for folks that feed crows or ravens and have formed those bonds with these wild animals, um, they can really attest to, to that really special feeling of what it means to be recognized.
1: They do seem to be watching us. I always feel it too, this clever presence whenever a raven flies over me in the forest.
0: So I think we're going to find out in the future A lot more about the amazing emotional intelligence of these birds, their understanding of the world around them. I I mean, I think just sort of the, we're going to climb up that ladder of appreciating these birds as essentially flying primates.
1: Flying primates. I'm not sure how the ravens would feel about that. Part of me thinks they're way ahead of us these extraordinary birds on their own evolutionary path to brilliance, reminding us from the skies that intelligence comes in many forms. The wild is inspired not just by nature, but by people who work in it, love it, protect it. We have more information on our website, thewildpod.org. Be sure to check out our Instagram at thewildpod, and you can find me at chrismorganwildlife. Oh, and one more thing about ravens. If you're like me and you truly love ravens, Kaylee Swift has one last piece of advice.
0: But I get this question a lot of like, do they make good pets? And my answer is like, well, it depends on what you mean by good. If, if to you, good is having basically a two-year-old that can fly and has a razor for a mouth and likes to destroy stuff all the time, then yeah, they make great bets.
1: <laughs> a very special thank you for their kind financial support to Rose Letwin, Jill and Scott Walker, Ellen Ferguson, Anna Kimball, John Taylor, Mark and Rebecca Wilkins, Bob Yellowlees, and Paul Lister. The Wild is a production of KUOW in Seattle, and me, Chris Morgan, with support from Wildlife Media. Our producer is Matt Martin. Jim Gates is our editor. Our production team includes David Brown, Juan Pablo Giaciza, April Craig, Kara McDermott, Tio Popescu, Darcy Riggin-Schmidt, and Brendan Sweeney. Our theme music is by Michael Parker. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoy The Wild, please do ask your friends to follow our podcast and maybe give us a review. Thank you, and take good care.
0: Hey, my name's Claire McGrain and I'm a producer for Seattle Now, KUOW's local news podcast. There is a lot happening in our region, and it's a lot of work to keep track of it all. We'll get you caught up on the latest news and take a deep dive into something happening around the city, all in under 15 minutes. Get a morning walk-in or grab a cup of coffee and start your day with us. Learn something new and connect with our city by searching for Seattle Now wherever you get your podcasts.